It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is up? Oh, changed it up on me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> not, not, usually ask, how are you doing? No, how are you uh, doing? Not, not much. Late, uh, a little bit late to the pod because uh, I wanted to get a workout in at the gym. My fiance had to work late. She always comes with me. So this is a very exciting update on my life is that I made it. You look, he had to j- drop in. I had to get my workout in. I was at the gym. Did you did you did you go to the gym at all? If you never mentioned it on some type of social media or I guess podcast, you're right. Do you lift, bro? That was good. I I I mean, I'm not like a big lifter. I actually didn't even get a lift today. I just did uh, cardio because I was like, I don't want to make them wait 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I'm like, I'll just make them wait 10 minutes. (laughs) Oh, so that's why we're recording late. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's all. I uh, last year I didn't do any workouts when I was doing all my football stuff, and I feel like it hurt my uh, mental health. So I'm like, oh, no. I want to make sure I do that all the time. So. Do your thing, man. Um, I was, <laughs> I will say, I did not work out today. I had a toaster strudel instead, so I was doing the opposite of what I probably should be doing. Uh, because toaster strudel, I will never look at the what, what's really in one of those things. Sometimes they just so don't work. Your toaster strudel over pop tart. So I did think about this after I toasted it, that it's one of the hardest things in the world to toast because you don't want to overdo it or you'll have a burnt one. And that's terrible. Nobody wants to burn their mouth and you will do it like medium size to almost hot and it's cold on the inside, hot on the outside. It's it's a difficult thing to do. Um, but yeah, I am a toaster strudel over a Pop-Tart, but sometimes you got to make tough decisions in life. I was always a pop tart, pop tart kid, so I feel like that just nostalgia is the only reason I still eat those on t- occasion. It's just like, oh yeah, brown sugar, cinnamon, let's go. We love it. Everybody, let us know your favorite pop tart. We are dying to hear it because maybe they'll send more questions. But credit to you guys. We'll get to the Q and A. Nobody asked that question, but you got the answer anyway. My favorite pop tart is brown sugar cinnamon, and Lindsay is just a toaster strudel girl. She does not care about those pop tarts. I don't. I don't. If I was on an island, there was only one thing to eat. Yeah, for sure, I'll eat a pop tart. It's no big deal. Um, but obviously, there are, <laughs> you would think there's worse things in this world. 
you would think the Bengals are losing by like the whole entire season if we started a podcast with working out and Pop-Tarts and Toaster Strudels. But that's just really the opposite. We're just in a good mood. Three and three, 500 right now. I think if you were to look at the schedule back in September or even before the season started, for some reason, this Falcons game is just, um, it's questionable. I don't really know what to think about it right now. I, I see the stats. I hear the predictions. I hear from the people in Atlanta. I know they can run the ball. I'm not really terrified of their quarterback. But uh, what's the matchup going to look like for this defense that's kind of beat up right now for the Bengals versus the Falcons offense? Yeah, I mean, their offensive line is a good run-blocking unit. Um, not something I would have thought going into the year because I didn't think too highly of most of those guys. But uh, left tackles doing a good job. Jake Matthews, he's always been basically – Jake Matthews is kind of the career arc I'm hoping for Jonah, where it's just like, yeah, he's always a solid left tackle. And uh, you pay that and you're fine with it. Um, but he doesn't break the bank too much. And then uh, right guard Chris Lindstrom seems like he's taken a step. So he's playing better, especially in the run game. So they got a really good run blocking unit. And um, I think they can hide some of their pass protection issues because they run the ball so well that they just play action pass. And Mariota, any quarterback with legs, is going to slow down that pass rush a little bit because I'm going to be worried about him escaping the pocket. So you have all that to consider. Um, I think that they could run into trouble if they let this T, if they get off to a slow start, which they have done quite a bit. And then they let the Falcons have the ability to just run the rock um, without one of your starting linebackers, even though I think they're fine there without DJ reader, I have way more concerns there. So yeah, I, I think there is a recipe for the Falcons to really make this game annoying and maybe their offense will be good either way, but there is also the recipe for a Bengals blowout. If they can just get out to an early lead and try to force the Falcons to throw, to keep up because I mean, 99 of 100 times, I think the Bengals are winning some type of shootout. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't really know what to expect from them when this will be their third game at Pecor Stadium, which is crazy to think when you're already in week seven. Uh, week one, everybody knows how that game went. Thursday night football is unbelievable, but the atmosphere is in prime time. Uh, it, it was really cool to see nothing like that at Pecor Stadium before. Everyone's finally back. It's going to be 78 degrees and sunny. I can't stop saying that because it's been freezing all week. Uh, the weather won't be a factor at all, but I agree with you. The biggest thing is getting off to a fast start. That sounds so predictable. You're going to hear a coach say that every game, offensively, defensively, with this team. But if you're this team, you're doing the coin toss. So are you deferring it? Are you going for it? Because you're at home, three and three. Get off to that fast start because you know what you're going up against with this Dolph or with this uh, Falcons offense. Dolphins, um, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just a big proponent of defer because I think if you can control the middle eight minutes or so, the end of the first half, start of the second half, that's just such a huge momentum swing. But also, I mean, scoring at the end of the half and then scoring again at the start of the half is just the biggest way to you know, change a game, deflate the opponent, take all of that momentum, or even if you don't believe in momentum, still you're getting two scores for the price of one. So that I'm just a big proponent of the defer. If they can, if they can manage the clock well, not a hundred percent sure they're going to be able to, but I would defer if it was me personally, what would you do? Because you do probably want to get off to the fast start. And I guess by deferring, you could give the Falcons an opening script touchdown. 
One of my favorite things from last year, it was my favorite drive from this team, and it was early on when Joe Burrow took them down the field. They were wearing the orange jerseys. The Pittsburgh Steelers were in town, and they just drove it all the way down where Joe ran it in. And I want to see this offense just come out there early in the game, put seven up, and just sit in cruise control, have fun. Because one of my favorite things about the offense last year is when they would get those leads. doesn't happen all the time in the NFL, but they had a couple uh, multi-score leads early in games. And I was like, this is fun. I want to see what else they can do. And most of them were in the AFC North, which is crazy to think about. And obviously the Detroit Lions game in the second half. But I want to see this offense just have some fun out there, continue to connect. Uh, we'll obviously get to what we think is going to happen in our score prediction at the end of the podcast. But that's what I want to see. I actually want to see them get out there and be aggressive and, and see this offense again. Because if you think about the second half against the Saints, there was such a long period of time before we saw them touch the ball again. And they were finally in the groove of things. Obviously, it's a different opponent. It's finally back at home. Uh, I, I want to see that again because I think we're finally seeing this offense chemistry, connection, giving the ball to all the different receivers and playmakers out there that they're really just fun to watch. But one thing that's a little concerning because – he seems invincible, and we rarely see him on injury reports. Uh, Jamar Chase was a little new today that he was limited due to a hip injury. Uh, you know, some fans are going back to the game and say, well, when he did this or he landed this way, it didn't look that great. Uh, is that something to be concerned about right now? Um, I don't think I'm concerned about it. Uh, I, it just doesn't really have the vibes of a he could miss this week type thing. It's more so he's a banged up type thing, and – at some point, basically everybody's going to be banged up, um, whether that's on the injury report or not, uh, doesn't really matter too much. I guess this means it's more severe than just your normal bumps and bruises, but I don't expect him to miss the game. And that would be my main concern, because if he misses the game, then yes, I am uh, moving into terrified. But I pretty sure like they got rid of the probable designation. But I think if there was one for it, that he would be probable. Yeah, and then there's some guys on this team where I'm like, you could go the whole week without practicing, and I'd be totally fine if you showed up on Sundays. No offense to what an NFL practice looks like, but it's not hardcore or anything like that. Not that they're not, but I'm just saying the practices during the week because these guys are beat up. Nobody's 100% right now. Some optimist, optimistic news, though. Wide receiver T. Higgins, full participant after that ling lingering issue with his ankle. I think that's awesome. And to have him back out there almost fully, I would say almost fully, even though he's a full participant, uh, 90 to 100%, what his ankle had been looking like two weeks prior is great news for this offense. Yeah, I mean, playing on it, the issue I think that you could have is that it lingers, but it sounds like it's still getting better, even though he played on it. So uh, it looks like they – he, he made the gamble and it worked out and he's getting even better each week. Just have to hope he doesn't roll it on a block or some, or gets caught underneath somebody this week to set him back. But look, looks good. Yeah. That, that's great news <laughs> to get the full participant. We're an optimistic podcast. So I'm just going to try to bring that out. Speaking of some of the playmakers, it's a revenge game for tight end Hayden Hurst. And maybe it's too good to be true. You're, you're, Seeing your former team, we weren't going to get the reps with obviously the tight end that they were able to draft. But what can we expect from the tight end position? And then if I mean, obviously, Joe's going to get to his receivers again. He saw what could happen last week again in Louisiana when you get it to T Tyler and Jamar Chase. But do you think Hayden Hurst will be a factor in this game? I think Hurst is slight factor. I, I think this is a Hurst touchdown week. Um, I'm not even basing this off of what their defense does schematically or anything like that. 
But did you see like how inspired he played against Baltimore about like trying to prove something? And I think Burrow kind of like feeds into a little bit. He gives him some extra targets. So I I think this could be a Hurst week where he wants to prove the Falcons what they're missing. And, uh, you know, you got a couple of receivers a little bit banged up, even though they'll play, they'll take most of that attention away. And now you've got, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit of a Hurst week. What do you think? I love it. I think so too. This guy's just different. I know there was a lot of talk. Well, I don't even, this is not a CJ Uzama slander podcast. I promise. I don't, I don't believe in that. He did a lot of good things last year as a hype guy in the locker room, but I just feel like Hayden Hurst is the real deal at the tight end position. There's so many catches, not even so many catches, but moments. The Dolphins game will always send out for me the extra yards that he got uh, against the Saints. He almost that was almost an interception he goes and grabs it one-handed there's just plenty of opportunities that when joe does get him the ball this guy is awesome to watch and you know maybe the hype stuff is is overrated but when jamar had his touchdown on the mic'd up series he was the first one to meet him in the end zone just slapping his helmet which is very questionable to me i don't recommend slapping someone's helmet um because it's huge everybody slaps helmets it just hurts my head so I don't recommend, uh, but I know they get hyped up. And I, I just think this guy, I, I agree with you. You see a little bit in the Baltimore Ravens game. And I know a lot of people want to see him more involved, but the Bengals have a good problem. You have those three wide receivers. You have Joe Mixon on the ground, who I feel like is starting to heat up a little bit. And maybe Joe Mixon will surprise us and have a little bit of a Joe Mixon game, you know, to be determined on what that looks and really what the score looks like at that point if he does. But uh, yeah, Hayden Hurst is always a viable option, too. We'll flip sides to the defense right now. They're banged up. We knew it. DJ Reader's out to be determined if he comes back for the Cleveland game. I still think it's going to be after the bye week. Again, that's just an assumption. I don't think you throw them out in there against Cleveland and then obviously the Carolina Panthers game before you go into a week off, and it would be lovely to get him back. But a little bit of optimism on the Logan Wilson front. Zach Taylor has changed it from week to week. We hope it's week to week to maybe day to day. He's not throwing out Sunday, but Logan Wilson's not going to play on Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, do you believe that? No, not at all. all. What's the percentage chance he plays five snaps on Sunday? Is it greater or less than two? So I'll say this about him. We said it last It's nothing to do with him. It's just doctors would have to clear him is all I'm I'm saying. I'm not saying that Logan Wilson, you know, isn't tough enough to play or anything like that. No, I agree. Logan Wilson's a different kind of dude in a good way. But I, for some reason, I go back to last year and the Chargers game, he gets injured. And I remember the week that he returned, Zach Taylor talked to the media. It was either a Monday or a Wednesday. And Zach Taylor was talking and he was like, uh, the linebacker room was dealing with injuries. Obviously, I want to say Akeem Davis Taylor was injured at that time, but just um, said, you know, we hope to get Logan back soon. And then all of a sudden, Logan was back the next day and he couldn't have been fully healthy. He obviously had surgery on the shoulder that he re-injured in the offseason. He still came back to play and almost made the play of the game in the Super Bowl. So the guy's different. Um, you know, I'm not saying he heals different than other people or anything like that. But, you know, hopefully you do get him back soon. I think this team is smart and the medical staff when it comes to him. There's no reason to rush him because I still feel like they do have depth at the linebacker position. Obviously, we're not Logan Wilson. He's one of the best defensive players on the other side of the ball. But at the same time, um, I think it would just be smart. I mean, you think of a long-term situation, especially if this team starts to get into it over the next couple of weeks and they're right back in the conversation or still leading the AFC North or at least tied with the Baltimore Ravens. But you take your time when it comes to Logan Wilson on his return. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, sell 
Logan Wilson's long-term health for the Falcons game. I know maybe maybe the Browns game, but <laughs> not not an <laughs> NFC opponent that I, I should feel pretty confident in winning. I mean, I'm not trying to look ahead, but that Browns game, everything sounds terrible about it. It's Monday Night Football. It's Halloween. And I can be negative about it next week because I hate everything about the time frame of when this game is. And it's on the road. I know it is October, almost November, but I can still complain about the schedule. It is pretty messed up that you put Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cleveland Browns on the road for primetime games for the Bengals. Not great. I don't love it, but I don't know. This team does play pretty well in primetime, it seems, but at least way better than they used to. <laughs> so I'm not as worried about it, but no, uh, I'm not worried. It's honestly just one of those was a home game. That's why I'm selfish. I'm more selfish because I like it at home. I'm okay with losing sleep if it's at home down the road in September and October versus being, I, I mean, it's on the road. That's, I don't like it. I think they got screwed there, but you know what? Doesn't matter because the schedule's already made and it's week seven. This is when you know that they got some good problems when you have a lot of primetime games, but most of them are on the road. Yeah, at least I got their Thursday night game at home. I feel like that's the big one if you have to go on the road because now you're losing a practice day in a short week. So this one uh, for for preparation, things like that, uh, not that big of a deal. It's just, I don't know. Uh, I would like one of those games at home. Yeah, and honestly, we're looking ahead. That's what we shouldn't do. We need to think about this Falcons game because it's going to be scrappy. It's going to be close, and a lot of people think that. They're both 3-3, three and three, which is wild, and Cincinnati shouldn't be 3-3, and three, but that's just what it is. We'll, get, we'll be back next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati to answer your questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati. Just talking about our social media app and what we like the best. We agree. It's TikTok. Um, uh, in limited doses. Limited doses. <laughs> For my own health. But my favorite part is, and again, this is the Bengals podcast. We are going to get to your questions in just a moment. But my favorite part is how much you can just land on something so random. But TikTok said, you know what? That's what she would like. We're going to put this on her page right now. And it's stuff that it's, you would It's definitely scary how good the algorithm that they have built is. Because there are, my TikTok is so specific to me at this point that I'm like, I can't, I don't know. I have some that I can send to some friends, some I can send to other friends. But it's not like they're like, generally funny it's more like ah, i find that really funny for whatever reason i don't know it's just very specific for me at one point it was all just basketball videos because i was yeah. getting into that <laughs> it's just like, but, but I also think it's, good. it's one of those apps where people do send them to a lot of people when they watch the videos but i think by the time you send it to them it's not as funny anymore and maybe it's just funny for yourself to watch uh because it's so annoying when you get a bunch of tiktoks from people like hey watch this video watch this i'm like no i'm over oh, it. my fiance actually uses tiktok more than an hour a week so every time i open it there's about 50 messages and i'm like all right <laughs> I'm, I'm, one of, I'm one of 
those people, you could send me a message. I'll read it, but I'll never reply to it. I have 800 unread text messages right now. And um, it's just who I am. And I'll admit it. Speaking of social media, we'll go to Twitter because you sent us questions, 30 of them, which is really good. You guys uh, behind the scenes, we talk about it every week. I uh, message Mike on Twitter and I say, hey, can you put out that question for the tweets of the week? Because no one's going to answer me. So thank you. And maybe we should just ask about toaster strudels and pop tarts and people will just respond to us. Maybe we'll do that next time. But uh, thanks for sending in your questions. We really appreciate it. Obviously, just a couple hours before we recorded. We'll start with Kyle. He says, just to play devil's advocate, Burrow played almost purely from shotgun last week and he had his best game. Could failing to get him comfortable under center and the running back to the D play action hurt him in the long run? Or do you think the game has changed and it won't matter? Uh, I personally don't think it matters as long as he's able to, as long as his team's able to effectively run from the shotgun, which they have done. All their shotgun runs have been better than their play than their under center runs, even though in a vacuum, if, if we're on a chalkboard and theoretically all the angles and stuff match up so much better under center, they're just not a good under center team. So they abandon that. They do all the shotgun stuff. As long as they remain consistent with not giving away what they're going to do based off of the formation or anything like that, then I think the shotgun stuff is perfectly fine to run. I mean, what Peyton Manning was doing, like, oh, well, not late, late in his career because, you know, he, he had to do whatever they asked him when he was in 2015. But, like, prime Peyton Manning, whenever he got the ball, it felt like everything was shotgun. I guess once in a while he'd get under center. But really just when you have a really good quarterback, it doesn't matter that much. The under center stuff, I don't know. I think with Burrow, the shotgun stuff is fine. That's what LSU did. LSU was all shotgun. I say whatever ones, whatever makes the offense look like Joe Burrow again, vintage 2021, you do it and you never look back. Uh, Kevin Brown, I'm kind of just putting his question all in one because a lot of people wanted to talk about the run game. He says, you're in charge. How do you handle the Falcons run game without DJ Reader or Logan Wilson? Well, first the night before I'd pray. Okay. But then uh, the, the second um, – <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because there's only so much you could do before you start. If you sell out too much, then you are going to give them opportunities in the passing game. You can't just not completely respect an NFL passing game. So I wouldn't send like a zero blitz. Like they kind of didn't respect Taysom Hill and they kept sending the same pressure. But I don't think I'd do that to Mariota just because he is a real more of a real quarterback. Um, I just think you line up, you try to get – I think I'd push them to be a little bit more aggressive. Normally they get to play very conservative and passive and let, you know, let their guys control the gaps and everything like that. I might try to push them to be a little bit more aggressive because if you can get a tackle for a loss, then you're probably going to kill that run game on that drive, or at least in that series of downs. So if you could just get one TFL, then you're going to be able to, all right, now Marietta has to pass or the run game has to pick up, I don't know, 11, 12 yards in two plays, and that's not realistic. So I might try to get them to play a little bit more aggressive. But other than that, not a ton you can do that, like you just install it overnight or something like that. I think like in – a in, nah, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But just I, I think you just kind of – I would maybe ask them, maybe have my guys be like, hey, if you want to go back door here, go back door. Like Sam Hubbard did that against the Saints and blew up a series of downs because of it. Yeah, for some reason, I feel like they're going to find a way to stop the run. Um, obviously, I know that they look different without DJ Reader. It would be really amazing if they were able to get him back next week. Uh, but I think I think they'll be okay, especially if they get out to a nice lead. Just some guy, 49, says, look, the trade deadline is coming up. 
what position would you offer the would offer the biggest bang for the Bengals buck at the trade deadline? Oh man. The first thought is defensive tackle because even when Reader comes back, it's not it's not really a deep unit. That was kind of the issue. And then they got to Fele, so it's a little bit deeper, but I still don't think it's a deep unit. Um, so I think defensive tackle. I don't know if I'd try to focus on a guy that could be a pass rusher. I think I might focus. Almost the reader injury makes me go, huh, we could use a backup nose tackle, huh? Like a true 330-pound backup nose. So that probably wouldn't be expensive on the, the trade either. I also don't expect the Bengals to do anything on the trade deadline. I don't. See, there, there's something about them. Uh, I never count them out in this new era over the last couple of years because who would have thought the B.J. Hill trade would be what it was? I mean, I know he's B.J. Hill from last year, but I still love what they did and, and being able to extend him this year, too. I'm never counting them out. So if something happens, maybe it's not a huge name, uh, but adding depth in a position could be something that I see them do over the next couple of weeks. I do want to say this. It is very annoying. I saw it on social media yesterday. The Packers fans, the bait, the Twitter oh bait. I fell right into it when one of them, I'm using a paraphrase here, uh, Bengals stink, what are you doing? Uh, you should give them a call, get T. Higgins. Look, you had your chance. You had your chance. Your organization failed. Yeah, yeah, even the I think the best part was somebody was saying like, ah, you know, I think yeah, you could do that. What send a day two pick? And I'm like, a day two pick for T Higgins? Yeah, make that a first round pick and maybe a guy. So like, otherwise we're not talking. Yeah, and the thing is, there's two things about that right now. I'm not counting out that Cincinnati still pays T Higgins. And and yeah, maybe I'm oh, living yeah. in a whole other universe. No, I think it's 50-50 to me. Yeah. yeah. I think if this guy, you know, he's shown he obviously we know he can be a number one, too. And you have Jamar Chase, who I think stays with Joe Burrow on this squad. But they're not going to just be like, mm, you were so great. See you later. This team likes to pay the wide receiver. This team likes to pay the quarterback. I don't want to get in that argument right now, but this just kind of triggered me into the trade deadline. And I did buy into the bait. I 100 percent do. But if you're a Packers fan and you're saying that this team is this organization is cheap. Your best wide receiver doesn't play for you anymore because they don't want to play for your organization. And you failed at getting playmakers and wide receivers for Aaron Rodgers for a couple year now, years now. That is a fail in your organization. Leave this one alone. You have the same record as the Bengals. It's also kind of funny because the Packers organization has been cheaper than the Bengals the past couple of years. But we'll move yeah. on to the next we'll question. Move we'll move on to the next question. Sorry, I had to get that out. I was kind of feeling a certain way. Uh, no maniac. He actually brings up a great point. Last year, I felt like the Bengals were going to win every game, no matter what happened in the game or the deficit. Do you have that same feeling with this year's team? I'm not talking about potential. I'm talking about 100% doubt-free, can win every game, no matter what, and have the confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I I think they could win any game. When they get down big or like they dig themselves giant holes, even then I'm still confident they win. It's not like they've ever been blown out. None of these games I felt like they couldn't win. I thought they deserved to lose the Saints game at one point, and that was the Trey Hendrickson roughing the passer. I was like, if you're just going to give up third and 25, you deserve to lose. They pulled out the win. So <laughs> I didn't say they will lose, just that they might have deserved it. But they didn't. The defense deserved to lose. Offense deserved to win because the offense was awesome. Anyway, that's all a long way for me to say. Yeah, I think this team could win no matter what situation. Anything that's happening, they could pull it out. I think if you were to look at all the games so far this season, I would say the Cowboys game was the one that I would be like, oh, you could take the L in that one. It's only because they got off to such a slow start and they really couldn't get anything going too much with that one. But still, almost won the game, still had a chance late in the game. Um, I think their biggest opponent is 
the their the Bengals, their own team. Uh, when you look at any of the losses right there and all the mistakes they made in week one, I agree with that. And I think the biggest reason that I think they can be in every game, and honestly, Vegas feels like they can be in every game. They're, they're favored in all these games and it's wild and I don't mind it, is what they did last year. They have the talent. I would say they got even better. You look at the offensive line, you add to the tight end room. Defensively, you still have Lou. Yeah, you're battling some injuries. But I would 100% say I feel confident in this team on both sides of the ball and special teams where it feels like Evan McPherson. I mean, some people want to talk about some of the snaps. They look a little close and, and they're obviously not what they used to look like with Clark Harris. But at the same time, we don't even talk about him anymore because he's not getting a shot to hit the game winner. Could you imagine hit the game winner against the Steelers, hit the game winner versus the Cowboys, hit the game winner against the Ravens if he would have had those opportunities. We would be talking. This is just what the opportunity against the Steelers. I mean, I know, but let's like, <laughs> I mean, it would have worked if it would have worked. <laughs> we would be talking about like the same method. Yeah. And the thing is, he'll hit like a 50 yard or 50 plus yard. I'm like, OK, that's good. Golf clap. Great job. Like we should be like, yeah, he can hit a 50 yarder. Yeah, he can hit 50 plus. This guy is good. And, uh, you know, still they're all three phases. This team besides um, hunting has been kind of um, not, not awesome. Calm down, it's gone yeah. downhill. It was yeah. good week one. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. I think this team, I 100% agree with that. I think they're in every game and it's, um, it's, it's really fun to watch. Tyler Fornes says, uh, would you run a 4.940? Oh man. Uh, nobody can prove me wrong. Uh, <laughs> somebody wants to time me next time I'm in Cincinnati or something. I don't know. My goal to beat if I did run one would be five. Like, I think I want to get, five or under you know like under five like four nine nine you know that'd be my goal i don't think I, I deep down in my heart i don't know if i can i don't know I, because i don't i've never practiced a 40 i've never practiced running i've practiced running there's a whole different thing it's a whole different thing i saw there's a 20 minute youtube video on how to prepare for it i didn't watch it <laughs> but if i was ever going to be timed or something maybe i would because there's a whole starting process you can see like Look at the difference in the combine when like some FCS offensive lineman is going to run the 40 compared to when like uh, the wide receivers, any wide receiver is going to run. You can see how they're like, they got their knuckles down. They're like slowly moving them back, all this other stuff. And the offensive line just kind of gets down. It's like, are we going to get this over with? <laughs> I mean, that's the most miserable experience if you're not somebody who wants to run a 40 in front of everyone, but you feel like you have to for your position group. Um, I want to go with Mark Young. He says who's going to, because I'm bouncing it off with that question in the 40. Who would win in a race, though, if you were going up against friends from the show, Jake Lisko and Joe Goodberry? Oh, me. All the way. I have no doubt. I watched Joe Goodberry try to run against Malik Wright and um, somebody else. And that little, the, the little guy won. He beat Joe Goodberry in the race. Malik came in last. I definitely feel like I could beat Malik in a race. So, and Jake, I don't even think Jake wants to run. He's tall. They're both taller than me. They've, they've got the longer strides, but I think I could beat them in a race. I, I agree 100% with you right oh, now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to admit that I'm not a pokey, Pokemon person. <laughs> um, so we're going to go to this Pokemon question. Trust me. Our expert. I just don't know. The only Pokemon I know is the big yellow guy. I didn't know there was different people. Um, you, yeah. <laughs> the big yellow. <laughs> the big yellow guy. I don't even know his name. Is he the main Pokemon? Um, I, I, I would say so, yeah. All right. Hopefully you're an expert because I'm asking you this question. Charles said, what Pokemon is Joe Burrow? Um, 
uh, let's say uh, Mew. Yeah, Mew. Not not Mew too. Mew, uh, uh, savior of the Bengals franchise from the first Pokemon movie. Um, who is that, Nick? Producer Nick has his saying. Uh... Squirtle Squad. No, Squirtle Squad's wide receivers. Yeah, all three of them. They feel like a Squirtle Squad with the sunglasses. <laughs> I I don't. It's Mew. I... The three Squirtle wide receivers. Joe Mixon feels like a, a Machop, and. Uh... <laughs> I love these questions. Honestly, there were a lot. There was an in-between. There were some funny questions, which I really love, and they're funny and what I want to hear. And there was actually a couple more football questions. We don't normally do this, but because we loved what you sent over, we're going to do a couple questions, and then we're going to do score predictions on what's going to happen Sunday at Paycor Stadium, Cincinnati versus Atlanta, kickoff 1 p.m. next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. All right, we're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's almost game day in Cincinnati. Just a couple days from a beautiful game at Paycor Stadium. Cincinnati versus the Atlanta Falcons. Goes 3-3 three and three on the season. Going to get to a few more of your questions before we move on to preview and prediction. All right, so Dylan Commissar. Hopefully I said that right. You can... At me, Bengals underscore Sands, if I did not. Why do you think they're using uh, Osai as a three-tech on pass rushdowns? He's flashed a couple times. I just figured they'd kick Hubbard inside and let Osai run the arc. So I think Osai, even in college, used to play really tight to the tackle. And I I wanted to see him out wide, but whenever he's in a <laughs> really nerdy thing, but I guess whenever I see him in a two-point stance, he seems to take a false step first. So I don't know if they want him in those two-point stances out wide. So I think that's one issue. He's doing a good job on the inside too. So I think it's fine to leave him inside. Um, I do think Hubbard could also kick inside. The only guy I don't think I'd want to go inside is Hendrickson. And maybe they feel like Osai should play off the off of the defensive right, offensive left side, kind of like how Hendrickson always plays over there. And they're saying, well, we don't want Hendrickson to go inside. And Osai, you're competent and good as an interior pass rusher. So why don't you do that? Maybe he hasn't developed the other side. You know, maybe his moves are just slightly off because it is opposite steps and trying to time that stuff up opposite arms for your moves, everything like that. So that's my guess. Uh, but yeah, I do think that he should, I would just send him over on Hubbard's side once in a while and just uh, let Hubbard go inside. I don't know if it was me, I'd, I'd have him move around, but the Bengals aren't as big of a proponent as moving their defensive lineman as I would be. We'll end it on this question and then we'll give our prediction for the game. It says, Brian says, looking at the progression of the offense, do you think they have figured things out on the offensive side of the ball from your film review? What has the defense been doing to play at a high level? What was the problem with the run defense versus the Saints? I mean, I know we did talk about some of the injuries that they currently have right now. And of course, DJ Reader's not out there. So let's mainly focus on the offense. Did they figure things out? Yeah, and I've been saying that. I think they're figuring things out. And then last week, I think, was the actual turning of the light like the Ravens game felt like they started to get it and then they still went because to me it's like what we talked about that shotgun and versus under center the under center stuff's just not working so just scrap it and try to build an entire offense out of shotgun and they kind of did it in the Ravens game but they'd still go under center and then this past week they're just like we're not going under center unless we're going to need to sneak or do something like that now I guess eventually you need to break the tendency of every time we go under center we're sneaking the ball but <laughs> um I don't think that 
I, I think that as a base offense, what they do from the shotgun is really coherent. And um, that's what I imagine as the Bengals offense for the future. And I know you watch the film review. We normally get that on Tuesday's podcast. Uh, the mic'd up was was really good. I, I laugh every time you get to watch the footage of that. Obviously, it's better after game Jamar Chase was mic'd up. And one of the things that I feel like stood out was he went over to Zach Taylor at the end of the game on the sideline and said, just great game plan, Zach. That was a great game plan. And, and Zach didn't want to take credit for it. He was obviously like, yeah, you know, great job. Um, over the last couple of weeks, and I know how people feel, I've always said this, when you lose, everything is magnified. If something doesn't work, it's the worst call that you could possibly make on a goal line. Um, but other than that, Zach bounced back. How do you feel about him and the play calling from this past week? Yeah, like I said uh, initially, I was like, I, I, didn't, I didn't remember any play calls that were something egregious or something like that. Like even the play to Mixon, uh, the throw in the back of the end zone to him, I think that was more of a Burrow mistake because uh, he thought they were running a, a coverage where the corner was going to sink down because I think it was Chase on the out route. It, they run this concept all the time. There's an out from the inside, then just a, a fade outside release go on the outside. So the idea is a lot of times – uh defenses will have in uh like a cover two they'll have that corner trap the out and try to jump it for a pick so instead of uh jumping it or trapping that out he just hung with mixon and kept sinking vertically and i think when burrow threw it he was just like oh <laughs> I, I, like I, even as he's throwing he's like i gotta put a little extra on this i didn't know that corner was gonna run with him because he's throwing with anticipation as if the corner is going to fall down and then the safety is going to try to get over the top, but he won't make it there in time. Um, so just a slight misread on that one. I don't know if that was so much on Taylor. And then he, the next play call was one of my favorites with the levels concept. So uh, I don't recall too many issues with the play calling. And I definitely don't recall any serious issues like time management or anything like that, or a missed challenge flag. I don't know. I thought Zach Taylor did a good job. All right, we'll move on. Preview prediction time. Again, both are three and three on the season. We've just said it for a couple weeks, or at least I felt this way, that the Falcons are scrappy. And I wouldn't call it a trap game because I hate that word. But this game isn't going to be easy for this team. We've already talked about it getting off to a fast start, being able to stop the run game for the Falcons. What is going to happen on Sunday? Will Cincinnati have their first winning record of the season? So you say the Falcons are scrappy. I think they're scrappy. They are six and zero against the spread. Did you know that? Oh, this is what I don't like about the spread. <laughs> they almost, they shouldn't have covered against the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers had like this weird fourth quarter collapse where they just gave up fourteen straight points or didn't do anything on offense. So that was a weird one. So they probably should be five and one, but they're they're six and zero against the spread, and they just killed the 49ers. Uh, at least it felt that way. The one by 14. Um, with that in mind, I think this game will be, yes, Nick, good teams win, but great teams cover the spread. Uh, I, with, with all this in mind, I think this will be an annoying game, but I would be surprised if the Bengals lost, if that makes sense. I think the Bengals will win, but I think it'll be fairly close. Um, I would be shocked if the Bengals lost because they do have a recipe to annoy this team with Grady Jarrett dominating on the interior on these passing downs. The Bengals can't run the ball because, you know, whatever. It's only been two weeks where they've run it really well. And then uh, on defense, the Falcons get out to an early lead and just pound the rock. So if that happens, that's the recipe for the Bengals' loss. But I think most other ways the Bengals find a way to win this game. I am going to go with 
31-27, which is the Falcons covering the spread, uh, but the Bengals win. Yeah, for some reason, I think as long as this game doesn't turn out to what the Cleveland home game last year looked like. This was before the bye when they lost two games really badly going into the bye week, and that's obviously leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I know this isn't the last game into the bye, but I think as long as it doesn't turn into one of those or just mistakes, 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 and then Chubb can run the ball all he wants. I know they're not playing the Browns right now, but it is just a similar, I felt like game plan where they just looked sloppy early in the game, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and then obviously Baker Mayfield played his face off. So looking at this game, I think as long as you don't see that and just early mistakes get off to a fast lead, the Bengals win. I'm not giving them 30 but I think it's going to be close to that. I'll say 27 20. Um, when you say it's going to be an annoying game, it's they've done that to me my whole entire life. They have those games where they're just annoying games that you know you should you should score your opportunity to score in the red zone. You kick the field goal, you don't kick the field goal, something happens, you lose three games by a score of two or three and three. Um, they've done that this whole entire season, uh, when they when they've fallen, but it's so up and down, and I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost, but this should be a game. You're finally back home. You have that home crowd. As I mentioned before, weather's not going to be a factor at all. I think if you can stop the run, uh, put points up the, on the board early, put points on the board, you know, that would be helpful if you wanted to win a football game, scoring a lot of points. Um, so I'm going to go, yeah, 27-20. So you have the Bengals covering, six-and-a-half-point spread. I don't Lindsay want to says, The Bengals are going to be the first team to cover against these Atlanta Falcons. No takebacks. Yeah, maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe maybe this is the team that finally does it. I mean, it should be should be knock on wood. I think it should be pretty pretty enjoyable football game. So, I think it'll be an enjoyable football game for the Bengals, but I I mean, look, I do have respect for the I know the Falcons defense hasn't been amazing, but they just held the, the 49ers to 14. They held the Bucks to like uh I think it was 21. I'm going to look that up real quick. Uh but I, I, real. I don't believe in the books. I, I'm still there. Yeah, they held the Buccaneers to 21 points. They held the 49ers to 14 points. I know they've had some games where they just get killed. They did a good job against the Browns, too. I think that defensive coordinator Dean Pease, uh, he's a good, good defensive coordinator. He's been around forever. He started as a defensive coordinator in 1979. So this is... Yeah, he's going. He's like forty-three years into this, so we weren't thought of in that during his. I know he's, he has seen everything, so I think he has a plan for everything. I don't know. I think that he does a good job making this defense play above its weight class at times. So there is that to it. I I'm picking thirty points though, just because I think that personally, I think that Joe and Jamar and the run game have all found a good groove, rhythm, whatever. They're kind of heating up. And this is where I think where it becomes difficult if you don't have the horses to stop this team from scoring 30. Let me ask you this bonus question. Do you think the defense gives up a second half touchdown? <laughs> nice. Um, well, I have the Falcons scored 27, so I would think. <laughs> I guess, yeah, who makes halftime adjustments? Who makes great halftime adjustments? I'm going to say they do give up the second half touchdown to the Falcons. And that's going to – this they'll be shocking, though, because it's like they didn't do it to the Ravens. They didn't give one up to all these other teams, but then the Falcons score one on them. That's kind of this Falcons team, right? Like they're the team that's like uh, the – 
oh, we haven't done this all year. And the Falcons are like, we did now. <laughs> no, like, we were able to do it. I don't know. Is this the week that Kyle Pitts gets going? That's a question. He's he's like done nothing all year, and I think he's supremely talented. Do you think he gets anything going this week? No. I think it's his um, friend on the, on the other team. I truly do. Hayden Hurst says, yeah. Yeah. I knew you oh, yeah. Kyle okay, Pitts. that's a great one. Hayden Hurst or Kyle Pitts, who gets more yards this game? I'll go Hayden. I'll go Hayden. I think Joe, I think Joe plays into this game as a game from your former team. And not that Hayden has like all this dislike for the Atlanta Falcons. I think him and Kyle Pitts are pretty close. They obviously played in the same position group last year, but at the same time, we'll make it fun. I'll say Hayden Hurst because I don't think a lot of people would say that, but at the same time, Kyle Pitts hasn't been absolutely incredible this season. So crazy though. He had such a good rookie year and I thought he was he awesome. Did. There were people that wanted the Bengals to draft him over uh, Jamar. It wasn't even a question because they couldn't. But uh, I, know, yeah. I know, I know, I know that couldn't happen. But like they wanted him to. They were like, yeah, yeah. I wanted to happen. Didn't you want Atlanta to draft Kyle Pitts so you didn't have to hear that conversation of who they should take? Because I don't think it was ever a question they were ever going to take Kyle Pitts. To be completely honest. Yeah, um, I was hoping Atlanta took one of the. I when I when I did that, I had all three Sewell, Pitts, and Chase as like cream of the crop type prospects, like. I would take these guys top five, no question. And uh, I guess Pitts is the one that looks like the odd man out right now, but he's he, he felt so good last year. That's why it's like surprising because tight ends usually take a minute to catch on, but he stole the starting job. He had like a bunch of yards. He had a really good season other than the touchdowns. And then this year he hasn't done anything. So uh, I don't know. I, I would have still, I mean, look, I it feels like I'm like one of those, you know, you're not supposed to talk about it. I was a Sewell guy, so I Ooh. I know I, I was Ooh. a Sewell guy. That's I thought it was hard. I, I think it's yeah, I've I've been admitting I'm wrong since yeah. like week two of the season, you know, but I was a Sewell I guy. I, I, I thought it was I thought it was hard to find a Sewell type. Now it's hard to find a Jamar Chase too, but just a guy that's like six five, three hundred and thirty pounds that moves like that just feels like a unicorn to me. Um, well, I guess Jamar Chase, on the other hand, turned out to be a unicorn himself. Well, I, I agree with where you're coming from. I kind of felt like pre-draft, all of that stuff. I said Jamar Chase because I felt like he was just going to change this offense. And obviously having the Joe Burrow connection would just be so cool to watch. Can't believe that they got the guys from 2019 on the squad, which is just unbelievable to think about, even when you see LSU football with the social media clips uh, and the LSU jerseys and even Joe Burrow walking into the game and, and Jamar's jersey. Uh, it's hard to have that chemistry and relationship and to imagine them being on the same team as T. Higgins and then you add Tyler Boyd is is pretty incredible. And I think a lot of other teams in the NFL are trying to get that same roster when you think at wide receivers and playmakers. But I don't think Cincinnati's ever been a uh, – and no offense to Tyler Reifert because he got injured a lot. They've never really valued the tight end position. So I never really thought he was going to be a guy that they would draft. I, I thought it definitely was going to be a wide receiver. Especially yeah, especially because you can it's it's easy with the Bengals to trace back what they like because they've had the same de facto GM for like 20 plus years. So if they're not they drafted I guess they drafted Gresham early though. Yeah, Even that's though true. Can't have really. Uh, yeah. but they drafted, I think they value a little bit of that Kyle Pitts is not not a huge blocker. And I feel like if they were gonna draft a tight end, it would be a guy that could block and get out on routes. And that is really hard to find. I can't believe I forgot about Jermaine. That's my bad. Sorry, Bengals Nation. 
Forgot Although what, they drafted Eifert like two years after they drafted Gresham too. Okay, Gresham I, do that. I think they do value no, the No, it's fine. Team. I agree with you that I don't think they value it that much, but I'm just thinking back. I'm like, I guess for like two <laughs> years, they were like, we need a tight end. Why you got to get the receipts out? Why you got to do that? <laughs> you don't have to look back. We look ahead, even though we were talking about the 2021 draft. But... Well, have they ever drafted another tight end that high? It was just like two, two years out of three that they were just like, we got to get a tight end, guys. So... So is this game the Hayden Hurst versus Kyle Pitts, or is it the Kyle Pitts Jamar Chase game, twenty twenty one first round? If pick. you're gonna ask me if Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase looks better, that's an easy one. <laughs> I think Jamar Chase is gonna look better. Uh, I mean, there's a chance, I, I guess, Kyle Pitts like think. completely blows up, but he'd have to have a career best game. I like fake storylines, so we're going with um, Hayden Hurst versus Kyle Pitts game revenge there- game. Are there any former Bengals in the Falcons? Because I don't think there are. Not off the top of my no, head. I don't no. think so. I don't think so. Sadu's so no, gone. Um, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> they got no revenge people. We, we've got Hayden Hurst running revenge for us. So I am with you that I think Hayden Hurst has uh, more yards than Kyle Pitts. Hayden Hurst is going to do it. He's going to find the end zone at least once. And uh, I think it's either going to be Tyler Boyd T. Higgins game. But we'll see. We'll see. I like to say and or because it, if it's one of them, I was like, look, I was right. Told you that guy was going to be good. I named three guys that were going to have a good game. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, yeah. And I, I think that <laughs> it's going to be Jamar Chase because I didn't mention be, him. Yeah. You, you didn't mention T either, did you? It's going to be Samaj P. Ryan. It's a P. Ryan game. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a Eli Apple game. Every game's an Eli Apple game, right? We're having too much fun. I want them to keep winning because it's it's better to laugh. Chris Evans game, 100%. You're just like one of the fans. You are. Are you trying to get Twitter excited? Because that's what they want. I they, think I think that you are you are now their favorite uh, member of this podcast by really mentioning is. this being a Chris Evans game. I'll beat, I'll beat him with this. It's a Dax Hill game. Dax Hill? How many snaps? <laughs> Ten. Ten? All right. Yep. He ups it a I got bit. like five in my mind. I think they'll I think they'll get five out of them. All right, you'll be home counting it. I'm actually gonna go to the game and watch it in the stand. So um if you want to count for me, tweet me when you you know the number because I'm not gonna keep track of it. I have no them. worries that Paul Danner will post the number the next day. Oh he'll post it right after the game. I know. So I'll I'll be fine. I'm not gonna count. I'm, I'm bad about that. Backsale Tracker, this podcast is obviously just right off the rails right now. Uh, we have a lot to talk about after the game Sunday, 1 o'clock game. The best kickoff in the entire world is 1 p.m. We'll have the podcast later that night for your Monday morning commute. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson. I know you have plenty on all Bengals this week. What is up there? Just wait until my takeaways after the game. Oh, wow. That was um, great tease. Make sure everybody checks that out. Hopefully they're good. Yeah. If it's good, make sure you click on it. That would be great. <laughs> click on it if it's bad. Don't read it. But if it's good, maybe read it. Click on it, exit out, refresh. Click on it, exit out, no matter what. If you're a fan of Bengals underscore sand, you'll click on the article no matter what. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We'll be back after the game on Sunday.